Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Elizabeth Blickle. And I'm Matt Capriletti. This week, we're going to talk about... Double Daddy, the 2015 film written by a friend of the podcast, Barbara Kemleka. No. That is an overstatement. (laughs) Okay. She has no idea this podcast exists. Okay, let's try that again. Written by auteur extraordinaire Barbara Kemlicka. Sure. I'm willing to commit to that legally. (laughs) And directed by Lee Friedlander, the same duo behind A Gift Wrap Christmas. Ah, a dream team. We've found ourselves a dream team, folks. They've got range. (laughs) All right, should we dive into Double Daddy? I wish we would. The movie opens with a party with a bunch of teenagers at Connor's house. Connor's played by Cameron Pilatus, and I love how movie teen parties are always so produced. I mean, this one has Christmas lights for Pete's sake. And also a one-story bong, which I have questions about. (laughs) My first question is, how much beer would you need to fill the tube for a beer bong that extends from a second-story balcony to the mouth of a person on the ground floor? I'm not quite sure. At least probably two to three beers, I would think. Okay, I agree. It's not It's not a small amount of beer. Two, at what velocity is that beer hitting your open mouth and maybe potentially the back of your throat? Oh, gosh. It sounded like a choking hazard yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> Those were my initial thoughts. Oh, okay. We're also going to mention, we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about the looks for the three primary actors in this movie because they're adults, but in the context of the actual movie, they're 17-year-olds. And there's something a little gross about talking too much about the looks of 17-year-olds when you're adults. Exactly, yeah. I'm going to give you descriptions of each of the characters to ground you in this beautiful world we're in. Just broad strokes. (laughs) Broad strokes. So Connor is a brunette, and... He wears lots of Oxfords so that you know he's rich. He also wears a huge gold watch that I think they want us to believe is the classic 80s Rolex watch. And this is not a dig. He's giving me resting boy band face. (laughs) Liz, I'm going to ask an important question then since you brought this up. You're filling out a boy band. Do you take this guy, Connor, uh, Cameron Pilatus, or uh, Ryan, the, uh, the oh, boyfriend no, in no. Stalk by My Doctor. No question. You obviously take this guy, and I'll tell you why. You know how in boy bands there's, like, the bad boy and the shy one and the sort of, like, cute young baby one? He's the cute one. And the one that's a little too old to be in a boy band. <laughs> yes. This guy actually is both. He's both the one that's too old to be in a boy band because he's in a, as we've said, he is actually an adult, But he has a real baby face, which is probably why they cast him for this movie. So I think he'd fill the too old and the cutie, like the Joey McIntyre. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. That's the reference I went (laughs) I was just wondering that too. All the boy bands. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm trying to think. Joey McIntyre has a great voice. Who played the cute one in NSYNC? Was Justin the cute one? Or was that JC? I thought he was like the flirty one. Okay. You you know this better than I. 
<laughs> and I'm trying to remember any of the Backstreet Boys. And I think Nick would have been the cute one. Oh, yeah. He was the youngest. I was not a Backstreet Boys person. They never wrote a good song about having sex underneath a tree. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is undoubtedly true. That's a callback to like a month ago, if anyone remembers <laughs> at this point besides us. If you haven't downloaded the Insync Christmas album, well, there's always next year. Shame on you. Shame on you. Santa's watching everything and he just puts you on the naughty list. Okay, so anyways. So we're at a party at Connor's house. Connor is rich. You know that because he has a big yellow gold watch. And we are introduced to one of the other three main characters. Heather, played by Brittany Curran. So Heather is wearing a red dress. She's the new girl in school. She's the new girl. The red dress should automatically clue you into something. Yeah. If you wear a red dress in a Lifetime movie outside of a Christmas movie, right. <laughs> the implications are very specific. <laughs> We're not subtle here. Anyways. Connor's wasted. Connor's wasted. I mean, he just he did, did this, it. He just did this, did this uh, gravity beer bong here. He, did, he just did one two-story beer bong after drinking a ton anyways. And he stumbles into Heather physically, like trips back into her. And then we see him stumbling down a hall to get more beers from his garage for the party, I'm assuming, not just for himself, because he's like 14 sheets to the wind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, based on how much he's stumbling, and it's like a Jamiroquai video in the hallway. <laughs> and so Heather follows him as he's stumbling into the garage. Heather says she's always wanted to see the inside of a Mercedes. She gets in. She asks him to get in the car. He like... He's got the spins going on. Falls into the car. And she proceeds to date rape, sexually assault, whatever you want to call it. She proceeds to have sex with him in a way that I would describe as not okay. He pushes her away multiple times during... The scene. Connor has a girlfriend, by the way. His girlfriend is away at a summer job. Before Heather kisses him the first time, by force, not there's not it's not like a mutual kiss, he says, Man, that beer bong's hitting me Man, that beer bong's hitting me hard. You can tell that's not an expression I've ever had to use. Really <laughs> stumbled my way through that. My question would be though, wasn't the beer bong hitting you hard physically when you were on the patio and it came <laughs> slamming into your face <laughs> at like what is it 9.6 9. 9.8 9.8 yeah i mean it's gonna hit you fast yeah. if it gets to the back of your throat without you you know if you open your throat for that <laughs> peril awaits yes anyways so he pushes her away multiple times he's like he says he has the spins his eyes are half closed and she doesn't stop. She has sex with him while he's like half asleep. And the reason I was stalling is because one, this is not funny. This is not a second story beer bong we're yeah. talking about. And two, throughout the movie, this is not discussed or framed as a rape. Should so we that, talk about fondling the Fabergé eggs? That was so much more fun. It was fun because that's like one of the opening shots <laughs> where Heather is fondling the Fabergé eggs in Connor's parents. I'm A-okay with her fondling Fabergé eggs. I'm less okay with her having sex with someone while they're completely passed out. Yeah. So the result of uh, <laughs> all of this is that Heather becomes pregnant. 
And later we find out this is exactly what she was gunning for. In fact, she's tried this sort of scenario before. Oh, I forgot to describe Heather. Heather is a brunette. She wears Daisy Dukes flannels and combat boots most of the time. She dresses throughout like someone who is en route to a Guns N' Roses concert. That's fair to say. So the other character that we should introduce is the one who comes back from teaching at summer camp. Yeah. The saintly blonde girlfriend, Amanda. Played by Molly Gray. She has a very free people anthropology aesthetic. You Mm -hmm. know, California boho. You now know everything you need to know about them. So we've got one pregnancy down. And Amanda came back from summer camp and with a quickness, Connor got her pregnant too. That is true. Woo! So Amanda finds out that Heather is pregnant. Via social media. Via social media, we which is add. brutal. And breaks up with Connor and she tells her parents. The conversation was, you're keeping the baby. It didn't seem like she had options. Yes. No options are presented. The next scene we go to... Connor's house and the parents are meeting and I love Connor's parents by the way uh, the way in which the mom uh, played by Maeve Quinlan talks about oh we missed you this summer the vineyard was spectacular just caricatures of rich lifetime parents so in classic rich lifetime fashion Connor's dad is a jerk <laughs> You can't, in these movies, you can't be rich and kind. He immediately jumps to blaming Amanda for getting pregnant. He asks if they weren't using protection, which they were. And shockingly, Connor has not told his parents about the first girl who's pregnant. Who, by the way, has blasted it all over social media. If his parents would ever take a look at Pixapost, I believe, is the social channel here. (laughs) They're going to find out from one of the kids in the school's parents. One of those kids is going to blurt it to their parents, and Connor's parents are going to find out that way. Anyways, when Connor's parents find out from Amanda's parents that not only is she pregnant, but there's another girl pregnant... The dad immediately jumps to saying it's both of the girls' fault that it was some sort of pregnancy pact. What sort of sick joke is going on here? Is this a game these girls are playing? And I love how he goes straight to uh, my son's life is ruined. Matt, he was going to go to Wittendale. He was going to go to Wittendale. But he says, we should have sent you to private school away from these. And then he gets cut off because Lord knows what he's going to say say next. He was going to say sluts or something like that. Harlots, if he was being more... No, they actually use the word slut in this movie, so they would have used it. And the thing he's most worried about is that they're going to have to pay for Connor and Amanda's baby. Yes, yes. Not that, I don't know, Amanda is going to have to carry a baby for nine months and endure whatever happens at school from her peers. Not that she's going to have to deliver a baby. Not any of that stuff. And it was her fault, of course, because she's responsible for the birth control. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't she keep a stash of condoms around her house? She's one of those public (laughs) school sluts. Yes. (laughs) Oh, the one thing I will say is, Connor's mom introduces the idea that there is another option. uh, The other option being abortion. 
adoption comes up in a tangential way later. But when Connor's mom presents the idea of taking care of it, it's presented as if she's like a nasty bitch for like presenting the girl with any options at all. So then we go to Heather and we see the conditions that she's living in. She's not well off and we meet uh, uh, an old boyfriend of hers, an older guy. He's being literal there. This guy is older. <laughs> for old. sure. For sure. His name is Trent. He is straight out of creepy central casting. He's older. <laughs> I mean, that's all you have to say. He could be the greatest guy in the entire world. But how old he is compared to how old she is, he's automatically bad. <laughs> right. So, you know, we set up this sphere for her. You know, she's obviously uh, the girl who is in an unfortunate circumstance um, as far as uh, her living conditions. Um, and we've got this gem of a father of hers as well. Um, who uh, Looks like know, a Guns N' Roses roadie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or a roadie for any... I mean, Guns N' Roses may be setting it too high. It he, looks, not, he looks haggard. I mean, this is not the trivia portion, but it will not shock you to know that her dad was on uh, Sons of Anarchy. Um, oh, it, it, just that's to, funny. I didn't recognize him even though I've seen the whole show, but yeah, I mean... Just to give you all a picture. It's of like he wandered like. over from that set. He's dressed exactly the same. So we go uh, to school, and obviously there's a rivalry between these uh, two young women who are each carrying Connor's baby. And Amanda and Heather get into a little bit of a, a skirmish in the hallways. Amanda pushes her and Heather, she ends up in the hospital, she falls. And that's how she meets Connor's mom. And uh, Connor's mom, uh, true to form, says she wants a paternity test. She is the rich person, Matt. Of course she wants a paternity test. Yeah. Everyone knows the poorer you are, the looser your morals are. Isn't that the truth? I mean, there's an episode of Maury in here, but uh, we're not going to go down that path. There is, but it turns out the way that would get, like, the most booze from the crowd. That's right. Because right. paternity test comes back and it's his baby. Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly. So then it's four months later and we're at Amanda's ultrasound and Connor shows up. They've been broken up this whole time but he's trying to win her back. I mentioned the rape at the beginning because Amanda dumped him and he spends the whole movie winning her back, which feels a little bit unfair. There are also some other choices that are made that don't take his feelings into account considering the fact that he was definitely assaulted. Right. But regardless, he shows up to try and win her back. Meanwhile, Heather, who were villainizing because she had the audacity to buy $45 worth of maternity clothes. Oh yeah. <laughs> we checked the receipts. <laughs> we have also, receipts. We have receipts. Also, like directors, don't make those things visible. We will stop and look at them. We stopped and looked. The price to the receipt said $45. $45 for maternity clothes is not insane at any price point. Yeah. You know, there were other bags with other receipts, but I, it, it would be like 
materialistic if she was out buying a tiara or something. She's sure. buying, she's out of her clothes. You don't fit in your clothes yeah. when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. What's she supposed to do? Wear her Daisy Dukes with the, you know, zip fly open <laughs> to accommodate for her belly? Right. So, I, yeah, I do feel like we're villainizing her throughout the movie for not being rich or middle class. It's better to be middle class in this movie. You don't want to be rich because then you'll be like Connor's parents. And you don't want to be poor because then you're horrible like Heather. She's villainized for being less well off and shown as materialistic. But the thing that we don't really villainize her for, or the two things, are trying to entrap people in a gold dinging scheme, which we only kind of villainize her for. And then the big one for me is that she's not villainized at all for sexually assaulting someone. That's true. Yep. Anyways, I'm on my high horse and I'm not getting down. (laughs) Gallop along, dear. I'm going to try to think of a name of it because I write it so often it deserves to be named. (laughs) (laughs) So Heather's you know, lavishly spending on $45 worth of maternity clothes. And she sees on her phone through, what was it called? Face pics or whatever? Oh, I think it was like pics a post. Pics a post. There's the startup we've all been dying for. (laughs) (laughs) She sees that Connor is at Amanda's ultrasound and she becomes jealous. So she takes a pill and tells Connor and Connor comes over to her house to check on the state of his child in the process he sees her living conditions which we're not really going to get into because it aside from having clothes scattered on the floor like many teenagers do and having okay yes some exposed wires and yes two mouse traps on the floor right the place is stunningly normal and they cast it as if she is living in an actual gutter or, like, she's the girl from Les Miserables. <laughs> she is Cosette. <laughs> yes. The little street urchin. It's not that. He also meets her Sons of Anarchy dad. And the next thing we see, Connor's fancy rich mom is coming over in her put-together lady sheath dress and her heels to this completely normal place that we're trying to pretend like is horrible to bribe Heather's dad. She says it's to pay for like the first seven or eight years of the kid's life so that her son doesn't have to be around them. Right. And I mean, if seven or eight years is going to get you that $100,000, I mean, Heather's dad just goes for it. Um, He just takes it and leaves. Yeah, he has no intention of using it to raise the child. I did have a question about why, you know, all of these things, if we if we solved all of my questions, we would not have movies. But, <laughs> but I did have a question about why this fancy rich lady who knows money stuff in vineyards would be so stupid as to give someone a lump sum of 100K rather than monthly stipends to care for the child. That's true. That's a good option. So Heather comes back and discovers that her dad has left. And as a result, she moves in with Connor and his family. And isn't that great? Again, it's a little weird to me that Connor is just expected to like 
come down and share frosted flakes with his <laughs> rapist. <laughs> just me. It's a huge plot point that we just skate right past. Right. I could, I obviously, <laughs> like a pit bull, my jaws have clenched on this thing and they will not You're not come skating right past. Much. You're, uh, you know, doing a few uh, triple sal cows around no, it. No, I toe picked straight into this and just <laughs> fell flat onto it and was like, I'm not moving. Um, okay. Trent shows up at Connor's house and tries to extort Heather. Right. She bludgeons Trent right after he calls her a little slut. And then she buries him underneath her dad's house. And while she's killing and burying someone, Connor and Amanda are at a Lamaze class. <laughs> Perfect counterpoint to digging in your basement to bury your boyfriend, old boyfriend's dead body. It, it pays to be the blonde one in these movies because you're the nice one. Right. Not that evil brunette. <laughs> <laughs> so Heather maybe still hopped up on adrenaline from a recent murder, assaults Connor's mom. They get into an ar- argument and she breaks a bunch of plates and grabs her arm and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she flips over a fruit bowl, ruining perfectly good fruit. Yes. There's the real crime. <laughs> and she gets herself kicked out of the house right. and put up in some sort of extended stay place. All of which sets us up for... The final confrontation. Yes. It's a field trip, folks. We're at this wilderness area. Heather, before she even gets on the bus, is having some pains. And she gets Amanda, you know, out in the open here. Amanda needs to use the restroom, which is classic pregnant lady. Right. No, she tells the teacher just before. The teacher lets an extremely pregnant girl go by herself. Walk back to the bathroom. It's not like the bathroom's 20 feet away. This girl is walking for minutes and minutes. And she's sent off by the teacher alone? So Heather has a knife and is following Amanda with it. We, we <laughs> earlier see her use said knife to, in a very sinister way, eat an apple. Uh, it's what a, color is the apple? It's a red apple. It's a red apple. Don't trust those red apple red dress ladies. No, certainly not. Garbage red delicious, probably. Sorry, no offense if you that's your favorite kind of apple. Matt has extreme opinions on produce. Yes, that's a separate podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, Heather's chasing Amanda with this knife. Uh, and they're both running. And all of a sudden, Amanda stops at the foot of this ravine. And Heather just basically, like, tackles her and pushes her over the, uh, over the ledge. They both fall. It looks to be about, like, a 15... 20-foot drop, at least. And while they're on the ground, Heather grabs a rock to hit Amanda. But before she can soccer with it, she starts getting labor pains. And she doubles over. And Amanda's walking away. But Heather calls her back, and... She delivers the baby. She comes back, of course. She's the blonde one. She's the good one. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so she delivers the baby. The baby comes out clean. More or less, except for like a few globs of what look like, I don't know, pineapple jello. <laughs> I mean, you know, for being born in the, uh, at the foot of this ravine in the woods <laughs> using no, no medical instruments whatsoever. I, d- I did have real questions about how they got the 
teenage mother to the hospital, and then further questions about how long can you leave an umbilical cord uncut before it becomes a problem? Because they were in the middle of nowhere, and I don't think she was going to, like, stand up with the baby and just, like, walk back to the bus and right. be bust. <laughs> Time to, to get back on the bus now. <laughs> sure. Huh, the head count is coming up one more than it was So weird. It's almost... Someone doesn't have a buddy. <laughs> or someone does have a new buddy. This baby sitting in... Anyways. Well, good for, good for baby Ryan. So we learn later that's his name. And then, uh, you know, now that we're out of the woods... <laughs> was it one month later? And one we month see, later. we see Amanda in the hospital... She gave birth to her baby, and they're considering giving it to her sister, who's unable to conceive, which is where adoption is introduced very fleetingly. But they decide to keep the baby because they love it so much. And then we see... It's so cute. They have two babies, and they take a selfie. And when the camera flashes, it smash cuts to Heather in her cell talking to her lawyer... And they know that Heather murdered Trent and the lawyer says she can take the plea or not and leaves the room to get water for Heather. And posts on this phone that she's uh, taken momentarily. Her lawyer's phone. Conjugal visit at Connor Soccer. (laughs) Hashtag hot jail mom. Again, I'm riding this horse. It's a Clydesdale. It's, It's gigantic. It's my moral high horse. But wouldn't the fact that Trent was a statutory rapist, her rapist, and he was attempting to extort her and rob Connor's family because he asked where the jewelry was, wouldn't all of those things be considered extenuating circumstances? Because her lawyer says she's going to get 20 years. And what kind of plea is that? What was the alternative? Right. I thought it was like 20 to life was like the max. Sure. <laughs> He's definitely a public defender. He read her case like three minutes ago. He doesn't care. Right. He's like rotten jail. Mm-hmm. She's a brunette. <laughs> I heard she spent $45 on maternity clothes. <laughs> She's an evil slut. <laughs> Send her to jail. Who was fondling her, the father of her child's parents, Fabergé eggs yes. at the outset of the film. Definitely not Fabergé eggs, though. <laughs> no. Fancy knockoff eggs. Yes. What's the point of a fancy egg? I don't know. Oh my god, you know what I never even thought of? What? That it's very symbolic. The egg? The egg! Yes. Oh my- that is... That's bad. Kim Licka. They, they basically bludgeoned me over that, <laughs> that, and I completely missed that. Very astute, Kim Licka. We see it. I see it now. This is the third time I've watched this movie. We watched it years ago when it first came out, and then twice this week, and I it... Whoa. <laughs> that is bleak. Y'all, this quarantine is turning my brain to full mush. <laughs> Wow. Okay, because Heather was how she was, I think it's important for us to rate her on the Eric Roberts scale of excellence. We have not said this yet, but I think 
What is the actress's name again? Brittany Curran. She is carrying a lot of the weight in this movie. The other people, I tried as we watched it to imagine the movie without her performance, just Amanda and Connor and their surrounding families. And, you know, Connor's parents do a great job at playing the evil rich villains. But without Heather, this movie would not have made our list. I think she did a great job and carried a lot of the interesting parts of the movie. I mean, she had the most interesting part, but I think she did a great job. So let's read her on the Eric Roberts scale of excellence. Okay. I think uh, I would uh, put her at a solid, uh, why do you hate me? Uh, Because she has some really solid freakouts. There's that one in the car after she tries to run over Amanda. Yes. (laughs) We didn't. We couldn't even get to that. That's how much has there, this movie has going on. That we didn't even mention that she attempts to run over the other mother. Yes, I mean the camera is just so laser focused on her that we actually see her uvula as she's freaking out, <laughs> wobbling. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you say she's and uh, yeah, I, I say she's at a firm. Why do you? Why do you hate me? Oh, this is the first time, folks, that Matt and I disagree. I think she is level five with a bullet. Oh, you got I think she, yes. I think she hits full smelling American Girl doll clothes. Okay. And I will tell you why. Mm-hmm. First of all, she has full conversations with herself about her future child. Trying to name him, oh yes, this is little Ryan. He's just starting Little League. Oh, he looks just like his father. His father loves play... That kind of stuff. So she's talking to herself, Mm -hmm. or rather she's talking to invented people trying to sound fancy about her future life. She corrects people about her name. Oh, I'm I'm Mrs. Mrs. Walker. Mrs. Connor Walker. No, I'm Mrs. Connor Walker, which is... It's starting to push you up the scale, these conversations with no one. Right. She goes from crying to laughing on at least one occasion when people look away, which is a classic, you know, wild move. Again, the car scene where we see her deep down into her throat. <laughs> I mean, I could have told you if there were any, any strep issues <laughs> yeah. based on this screen. There That's weren't. You can see her You seem to be in great health. You know, attempting to run over the other mother... She gets into bed with Connor while he's sleeping to take selfies. But the thing for me, aside from all of the talking to herself, there was one scene that sealed it, and it was when she took the pregnancy test, she takes pictures of herself with the stick. And in one of the pictures, she holds the positive pregnancy test sexily between her teeth. Now, it's not the P end, but to me, that does not matter. The complete mental disconnect between a pregnancy test and like... Like a rose at the opera or something. Or, no, it's sexier than that. It's it's like what you would see in one of those like men's magazines... Like a woman with whipped cream on her finger, like sticking it between her finger, like biting on the, like the fingernail or whatever. It's, oh, 
You know what it is? It's that thing Ariana Grande does all the time. Oh yeah. Where she always has that lollipop in mm-hmm. her mouth. Yep. I mean, I don't, I don't think she does that anymore, but for a while there, you could not take a picture of Ariana Grande without a lollipop in her mouth. And boy, is it good that that was a lollipop and not a pregnancy test. <laughs> It's great that it wasn't a pregnancy. We don't care if she has babies, though. That wasn't a dig at Ariana Grande. It's just, it's super weird to put a pregnancy test in your mouth sexily. Regardless of which end it is. Yes. So for me, it was, you know, a combination of all of these things. Yeah, I think think she was a solid smelling American Girl doll. Okay. And also, I don't think the movie could have functioned without her that so is when most you're certainly true. when you're propping up the whole movie yeah. with your villainous charm she is the atlas on which the shoulders <laughs> of double daddy rests yes she does great work and so i'm giving her a solid five and probably somewhere between matt's three and my five is where the truth lies <laughs> but now a little bit of trivia on the cast of this film or the players if you will <laughs> So, first bit of trivia. Wait, I have to stop. Do they actually call them the players like they, they did? They do not call okay, them the players. <laughs> uh, it would be fun if they did, but they, they do not. So, okay. Um, we're going to start with the star of the film, Molly Gray, who plays Amanda. Okay. Did you know that she is a triple threat? And by triple threat... <laughs> is this like in um, Singing in the Rain, where he says his co-star is a triple threat? She can't sing, can't da- dance, can't act? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I'd say the opposite, uh, at least for one or two of those things. Okay. Um, Because uh, Molly Gray finished in the top eight on So You Think You Can Dance in 2009. So uh, clearly an accomplished dancer, at the very least. Why didn't we shoehorn that into the movie? That's what I was going to say. It would have been so much fun if there was a musical number. (laughs) I don't know if we could have done full musical number, but couldn't we have seen her and Connor dancing at homecoming or we did not have a budget for a homecoming, but couldn't we have seen them when he was trying to win her back? Couldn't we have seen them dancing on her parents' patio instead of sitting like untalented people? A little foxtrot in the (laughs) hospital room. Okay. Yeah. She played uh, the role of Giggles in the movies Teen Beach and Teen Beach 2, which I believe were uh, were Disney films. Is this supposed um, to be like a beach blanket bingo I'm remake? not sure. I'm not sure. It, that could very well Hit be the case. Hit me with that name again. Teen Beach and Teen Beach 2. If I had to pick a name for my worst kind of, <laughs> kind of vacation, you could sum it up by this. Teen Beach. <laughs> I... I almost always am annoyed whenever I see teens on a beach. They never are quiet enough to let you read. (laughs) They're always loud and drinking when they shouldn't be. And they want so much attention. Teenagers want so much attention. It's (laughs) exhausting. Okay, moving on. So that's that's Molly Gray. And she she actually is a singer. That's how she gets to to triple threat status. Okay. Um, On to Brittany Curran, Heather. She is... In a show on sci-fi called The Magicians. I think I've seen posters for that. And she's actually an award-winning actress, uh, I'll have you know. (laughs) Do you remember the show Men of a Certain Age with Ray Romano and Scott Bakula? 
I, I know what you're talking about. No, I didn't watch it. Uh, well, neither did I. I'm not really like the Target demo. No, <laughs> nor were you in 2008 or 2009, whenever the show was on. She played Ray Romano's daughter on the show and actually won a Peabody Award uh, for... Uh, uh, I stand by my five, yeah. and so do the Peabody people. Yeah. And uh, last fun thing, uh, Brittany Curran got engaged last year at a chateau in France. Apparently they both love castles. Um... Her favorite chateau is Chateau de Chambord. Um, and when they started dating very early on in their relationship, uh, they figured out they both loved castles. And she actually brought over her oversized castle coffee table book uh, to uh, uh, so they could look at it together. And this castle that he proposed at, um, she discovered it when she went to Epcot, France. So, you know, hooray for Brittany Curran. So many judgments. It's sort of like a bottleneck trying to get out. Is there something you'd like to say, Liz? <laughs> oh, there are so many things I'd like to say. You never want to judge anyone else's love or happiness, but I do. <laughs> First of all, who has a favorite castle? I can think of but two. <laughs> Buckingham and Versailles. Okay. And then I'm about tapped out. Uh-huh. That's a question for me. But everyone has hobbies. Right. I guess. Maybe and she has a podcast about castles. And she... Unsubscribe. <laughs> and she... She's a reader, or at least a book purchaser. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um... You know, you you worry about someone who picks their favorite things based on the Epcot version of anything. That's a good point. It's been a long time since I've been to any of the Disney World amusement parks. Same. But I vaguely remember... I mean, I was in fourth grade. I vaguely remember seeing the France one okay, and being like, we are one Pepe Le Pew short of a hate crime. <laughs> like this, this stereotyping is practically xenophobic. It, you know, everyone is wearing those striped fisherman sweaters and the berets and the red scarf. Do they have a baguette in their back it's pocket? It's all back or baguette eating and you know brie i well that sounds you know what that sounds nice i don't know why i'm saying negative things about that i love baguettes and i love brie i'm not gonna turn up my nose at either but no uh, even bad baguettes and bad brie i'm fine with (laughs) yeah Okay, I'm done with my thoughts. I don't want to judge her for her happiness. Bad energy. So then the last piece uh, that I'll mention is uh, Connor's mom, uh, Maeve Quinlan. She was a pro tennis player and was ranked 95th in the world before uh, she then took up acting and ended up being on um, soaps. Uh, She was on soaps for a long time. I I buy the soaps thing a lot. You know what rich people love? Tennis. Why were we never shown her playing tennis? Even if she was just mm-hmm. practicing her tennis swing by herself. 
Yeah. These talents were wasted. We had a dancer. We had a tennis player. Yeah. What missed opportunities? Right. She's, Release the extended cut. She's apparently really good friends with Chris Ebert. Uh, Who? Uh, Chris Ebert was uh, a very famous tennis player in the 70s and 80s. Oh my God. I don't even know the names of famous tennis players right now. Have you heard of Martina Navratilova? Yes. Okay. They were rivals. Anyway, we can come out of the Wayback Machine. So Matt, Matt has noticed that as soon as he started talking about sports, my eyes began glazing over. Okay. So, yeah. Um, is there anything else that we think uh, you know, is worth talking about with Double Daddy? It's not something we should talk about with Double Daddy, but this is part of a two-part... I don't, I don't think you can call it a sequel, but it's the same plot just in reverse. Mm-hmm. So two weeks from now, we will be following up with the movie Double Mommy. And that's where things get medically interesting. <laughs> that's for next time. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at husbandandwifetime. And if you like this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.